Thank you and welcome back to episode three of The Kindness Rebellion. In this episode, I spoke to Licia Satini, who is a community health worker up in Salt Lake City. Um, I actually met Licia at the Ogwai People's Garden and Orchard up in Salt Lake City. And uh, I found out that the mural at the Ogwai Garden um, of Margarita Satini is actually her sister. So I naturally was just like, hey, I need you on my podcast. I need to talk to you about this, especially um, after understanding and talking to her that uh, that she is a community health worker for the Pacific Islander community. Um, and so this was just a really, really good conversation. And she was able to help me kind of understand how um, we are community health. You know, we, we need to be more uh, cognitive of community health. And in the wake of COVID, it was easier for people to start to grab on, uh, grab onto that concept a little bit more. And we talk about that quite a bit in this episode. So make sure to like, share, subscribe, um, and then check out the events that will be going on. Uh, we'll mention them in this episode and we'll reiterate at the end. Thank you so much. This is a podcast about rejecting tyranny and oppression by cultivating both systemic and individual change. I believe the only way to create this kind of monumental change is to inspire understanding, love, and kindness. From there, we can work to embody these essential values in our cultural systems and in our individual lives. My hope is that by effectively communicating with anyone and everyone, we can establish a shared vision for humanity and explore new ways of living to build a better world for all of us. I'm your host, Nathan Jones, and this is The Kindness Rebellion. Alicia, thank you so much for coming on to the Kindness Rebellion. Uh, it's a really pl a great pleasure to have you, and uh, I appreciate you agreeing to do this after me meeting you literally once, um, just at the Ogwai Community Garden. I had uh, I had Ray Duckworth on my podcast uh, previously, and she had told me she's like, um, go check out the Ogwai Community Garden, and if you get a chance to talk to anyone in Margarita Satini's family. Um, make sure to do so. And so then uh, when Dee introduced me to you, I was uh, just really pleased to hear that, especially when I heard that um, a, like your work and your focus is uh, with the community, which is something that I'm really trying to focus on with this season. So thank you so very, very much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, I, if, if it's great with you, let's go ahead and just get started on um, kind of like your expertise, uh, what, you know, what, uh, what it is that you've been doing with the community, kind of uh, your, your work related there. Um, and then just kind of moving into like, what is the importance of community and uh, community health? That's what I understand you're, you're kind of specializing in, correct? Right. So <clears throat> currently um, I oversee a, a program with the Utah Pacific Islander uh, Health Coalition. Mm -hmm. And I work closely with community health workers. And in doing so, um, we were able to spearhead a lot of the COVID-19 work, mm -hmm. which um, started back in May of 2020. Mm -hmm. um, and along with that, uh, we also have rolled out with other direct services. Um, currently working with a, a curriculum called It Takes a Village, mm -hmm. which is a curriculum that was put together um, with, of course, medical health care providers, Pacific Islanders. Um, we had an advisory board um, that worked hard on this. Um, and we utilized it to work with women and their health. Um, we have a high infant mortality rate within the Pacific Islander community. 
And so we utilize this curriculum to create healthier um, <clears throat> communities of women. Mm -hmm. And so um, Tima, who oversees that program, um, does great. And so she continues to advocate for that. And then so a couple of other programs, um, we have a, a nice partnership with the UTA um, <clears throat> company that allows us to go and pick up folks that need help with transportation. Nice. Um, trying to help out with any barriers that have to do with medical. We utilized it for a vaccine clinic, mm. a mobile vaccine clinic. Okay. Um, and then it eventually rolled into providing transportation for folks who need help with that, um, going to doctor appointments, mm -hmm. to our health workshops, and then, of course, diabetes management classes currently um, that we're um, sharing within the community right now. Awesome. That's amazing. Uh, I, I actually kind of want to hear a little bit more about that. Um, it takes a village, uh, like a program or something like that. I'm assuming, is that referring to like child rearing? Because that's what I've... Um, that's what I've heard that, uh, that saying used before. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Right. And so, um, when we're referencing to the village, of course, within the Pacific Islander community, we're very family oriented or mm -hmm. folks, right? And so mom, grandma, auntie, uncle, everyone helps. Um, and we still practice that strongly within our culture. Um, and so this curriculum will talk about a lot of preventative care, mm -hmm. talking about um, taking that folic acid. Mm. Um, these are women uh, age-bearing uh, that are 15 and up, mm -hmm. usually. So rare age-bearing um, children, ages. So a lot of what's happening is because we're such an under-researched um, community, mm -hmm. These um, women that will attend and husbands or, you know, it'll also be young men or youth aged um, and they'll attend this class. And it's a lot of discussion of um, subjects that sometimes are put at or how do I put that shoved under the rug? Mm -hmm. So sort of taboo. Yeah. Like that. Mm -hmm. So talking about sex, mm -hmm. we don't talk about that within the Pacific Islander community. Mm -hmm. um, but I think as uh, generations evolved, it's a more open subject. And talking about, um, you know, practicing, you know, those mm -hmm. safe procedures and, and how to talk about it with parents and um, the adults within the community and being okay with yeah. talking about it. That's awesome. Yeah, because... It's an uncomfortable conversation, mm -hmm. right? And so our community is learning to adjust to that. Um, and we this has been a long time project, but mm -hmm. and it's done in a very culturally inclusive way. Nice. So yeah, that's awesome. That's super important. It's uh, especially nice to hear that uh, kind of just the way that you're kind of helping create a space for that, like education, just to help that narrative, just to give people like. Saying like, hey, we know this is uncomfortable to talk about, but it needs to be talked about. Right. And we need to be able to do something about it. And uh, is a little, I mean, I, you know, I keep hearing about how there's, um, you know, not enough studies done for like, you know, marginalized communities and things like that. And it sounds like the Pacific Islander community is the same, but it's, uh, it's amazing to hear that 
um, you are able to develop these resources and, and uh, kind of coalesce these resources for your community um, to really start helping them out. And I think that's a, that's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And I'd love to kind of dive more into um, community health as a whole, like what it means to you and, and what do you see as the importance of community health? Um, you know, like why should anyone care about it? I guess. <laughs> right. Um, community health. And so that's funny that we're, we're talking about this, um, even though I do this on a day to day. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the projects that we're working on is um, how to strategize the COVID work. Mm-hmm. And one of the social determinants that keep um, coming up is housing. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> and so Pacific Islanders, um, homelessness is not very common because how we, when I talk about it, it takes a village, mm-hmm. um, auntie, uncle, mom, dad, if there's um, issues that are preventing housing, they can always go to a family member to stay there. Whether it's like five to 10 folks, you know, in that home, it's very normal to allow other family members to be housed, right? Um, one of the increases that are happening is um, homelessness. And so there was discussion around how do we um, fix this housing crisis within the Pacific Islander community. Um, and we got a team of experts together. We're talking about realtors, um, board members of the state real estate um, board, and then um, investors and you know, folks that work loan officers, and then also even the road home. And, and the reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up is because um, as the inflation continues, and when we're talking about community health, right, mm-hmm. and Pacific Islander communities, just communities in general keep increasing, and as they're increasing, there also needs to be health care around mm-hmm. all of that. And what we're finding is, is if folks are stressing about how are they going to pay their mortgage, their rent, right, that's affecting the health as a whole. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about community health, I there's a lot of angles in different boards that I sit on to be able to assist in these measures so that we can create a, a healthier community. Mm. Um and how does it affect me and the work that I do? There's a lot of work to be done. I mean, yeah, we're, we're providing, you know, all of these things, um, services, right? But it's only a fraction, really, of what we can actually do. Um, and Utah being the, the third state of having the highest Pacific Islander community. Mm. So, of course, Hawaii, yeah. number one, and mm-hmm. then Alaska is number two, okay. and then Utah being the third. Interesting. Yeah. Is that because of the LDS church that there's such yes. a concentration? Okay. And so it's interesting how um, some people think that we just recently um, navigated here. Actually, no, back mm-hmm. in the 1800s. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So I don't know. Do you know anything about Yosepa? Uh No, I don't. So Skull Valley... Yosepa is an area where um, Hawaiian Pacific Islanders navigated here back in the 1800s to help the LDS church. And so there's an area that's actually dedicated um, to the community and folks still go out there and um, there's grave sites. It's like a ghost town now. But Mm. um, so when you bring up the LDS church, yes, it did bring a lot of um, 
Pacific Islander communities, mm. and they're very religious. So if so, I say they're family oriented, and mm. they're also very religious. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes a lot of sense to you know have uh, you know a culture that's really focused on family and community. Um, to that you've been taking all of these types of communal approaches, and it's actually really interesting to me to hear that like one of the things you've been focusing on the most is housing, especially um, in the wake of COVID. I'm I'm assuming that community health became much more in the forefront of like the public consciousness after COVID. We kind of started to realize that, hey, everything is connected. We're all connected mm-hmm. and like we need to be able to care about each other. And and especially in, in terms of like homelessness, it, it makes sense that, um, you know, we, we sort of think of, uh, or I think a lot of people try to see homelessness as some sort of like isolated thing or like some type of, you know, individual fault rather than like a, uh, sort of like a community failing. I guess that's kind of the way I see it. I see it as like, um, you know, every time uh, someone is homeless, it's sort of a type of systemic violence. And to hear that um, that your organization is very aware of like, we need to focus on housing to ensure that, um, you know, community health is preserved, um, that's actually very heartening for me to hear. And, uh, and I really appreciate the work that you've been doing there. Um, what, what kinds of resources, uh, does your, does your organization sort of offer for, um, kind of for housing and and what kinds of ways have you seen it, um, help people? I'm, um, what, what kinds of tactics do you tend to take? Right. And so, uh, the work that we've, um, just within the pandemic, we were able to provide vouchers to folks with rental assistance, mortgage assistance, um, when, the country shut down. We had folks here from the islands mm. that were still here living with families, and we provided services that route lots in Utah County. Mm-hmm. And we try to um, strategize where uh, mainly the communities are. And we did set up a, a separate budget for those that were here from the um, islands, from overseas, mm-hmm. just because we knew that. Um, They were here planning to visit and Mm -hmm. then ended up staying in these families' homes longer than expected. And Mm -hmm. that can take a big financial burden on some families. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And it's uh, it's nice that you were able to support them, too, and sort of, like, ensure that that that, that village is being taken care of, right? Yeah. And so right now, one of the things that we're strategizing is um, what it takes to rent, Mm. right? A lot of our community, um, first generation, don't understand what it takes to to rent, um, what their their rights are mm. as a tenant. So we're talking about tenant rights, um, and then home ownership, mm. the importance of that, and what kind of perks come from that. Um, and so just trying to create this system of support, mm. so that community members do feel supported as they continue life, yeah. their, their journeys, right. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, So, yeah, it sounds like it's mostly about kind of uh, helping them navigate a lot Mm -hmm. of the resources, educating them on their rights and everything like that. Um, It's definitely, definitely important. Um, And I'm curious to kind of get a a sort of a deeper understanding overall of just like what what community means to you and like what it means, like um, the value and importance to you um, in ensuring that these types of support systems are there. Um, is there any sort of like personal history or is this just something that like it was just a calling and, and you felt like you needed to do it? Yeah. Um, 
So my natural personality, and even within the Pacific Islander community, there's a a, a duty to your mm-hmm. community, right? And so um, interesting is is we talk about the garden and mm-hmm. Margarita, right? I've worked with um, just even with this within the school system, PTA president, mm-hmm. you know, tr- helping out that way, um, and then. Um, worked a long time with the home visitation program with Children's Service Society. Um, you know, worked with SEC boards. And the reason why I bring that, not, not necessarily to brag, but also to just um, to impress upon our community that, that there is a lot of work to be done mm. and how important it is to to be involved, to be civically engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, not only culturally is it our duty to our community, but to understand that there is access, there's um, funding out there for our community to help us. Mm -hmm. And if we're not coming forward and saying, hey, these are the issues that are happening, somebody else is answering for us. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's important that we have the right voices at the table. Um, And so I've I've had a long... um, strong uh, desire to always help. Mm -hmm. And so um, within the Pacific Islander community, I feel like very strongly to to continue to help um, our community members, um, especially coming from parents that traveled overseas. I was born here in Mm -hmm. the States and I get it. And um, trying to connect the, the youth now, the children now, and letting them know like, hey, we do understand. There's people out there who understand what you're going through and here are the resources to be able to navigate the, you know, understanding of trying to get into a home or trying to get um, just food on the table, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Those resources. I mean, we we have a partnership with the Utah Food Bank. Mm-hmm. And so we were offering uh, food distribution along um, these last few years, I think we'll probably do for one soon, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of work, a mm-hmm. lot of community work out there. And, and of course, if anybody ever wants to help, let us know you pick.org. org. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. It's, uh, it's really heartening to hear that, um, that there, that these resources are available and that, uh, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. Cause, um, I think that one of the things I've been really struggling with is just feeling like, um, you know, a lot of our, the culture here in Utah and just the United States in general, just really seems to be almost like allergic to the concept of community. I feel like it's been, and maybe that's just my perception. Uh, and maybe it's just because I've been kind of stuck in the corporate world for a little while where it's very just cutthroat and, um, and there isn't really this sense of community there. Um, but it, it is really good to hear that there is so much that needs to be done in terms of like, we can all help. And I'm curious how, uh, like, do you see that perception as well that like community is, um, is, uh, is hard for people to get on board with? Do you feel like there is uh, a growing interest in community? Like people are starting to care more and wanting to get more involved. I, I guess I'm kind of interested to hear what the pulse is that you're seeing. Yeah. Interesting. Um, the, the wave is mm-hmm. real. So yeah. when I say that, um, I like how you inter- you mentioned where the corporate world, mm. um, that sense of like community is not not culture, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things the pandemic brought out. 
the mm-hmm. importance of that importance of like family and community and mm-hmm. having that um there has to be some type of community health within your own self even yeah. though folks may be isolating but there's mm-hmm. something healthy about you know connecting with someone mm-hmm. right that just having that human experience is important and it's healthy for an individual mm-hmm. um especially when you're isolating yourself <laughs> There's so many things that you can do to go out and just help. I mean, um, I think the day we met, that was what? Earth Earth Day. Earth Day, Mm -hmm. right? And it was a project of just cleaning the Jordan River and Mm -hmm. going down that route um, and planting. And that's one of the things that I was able to grow a love for is trying to have a green thumb. Mm -hmm. I don't. um, (laughs) You would think I do. I'm one of those Pacific Islanders, again, that were... Um, that was born here. I just want to share this story. We had a, um, UPIC had donated a community garden plot. I think mm-hmm. I might have shared this with you. Does this sound familiar? No. Okay. <laughs> so, and what was funny is, is um, the community plots that we were um, working on, we had um, the Jayhawks program is a youth development, you know, they learn life skills, things like that, and talking about the importance of nutrition mm-hmm. and how that gets to the table and into your body, right? Mm-hmm. And so we would take um, these youth kids out and explain that part and mm-hmm. seeing the before, the beginning, the middle, all of that, how it's all connected. And as we were at this community garden, just over here, the Rose Park Community Garden, working on it, and we're we're trying to figure out these plants and how it's supposed to be in the soil and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that. And next to us um, were these other, like, few plots, and it was the refugee community. Mm. And it was just a couple of ladies. They come in, they do their thing, and then they were done sitting under the table, under the tree, drinking lemonade, Mm -hmm. watching us, still trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even the refugee community, is they're experts in that. And Mm -hmm. I think drawing from that um, community is even important. Um, And we ended up having one of the youth kids, their dad who was born in the islands, and he came and he helped us. Same thing. Came in, you know, was digging. Things are supposed yeah. to be like this and that. and <laughs> But it was fun. I mean, just stories like that, you know, always carry with me because um, sometimes we get too caught up in, mm-hmm. oh, so-and-so went to school for this and mm-hmm. that. And sometimes it's that community member just yeah. right next door that has that expertise that lived experience. Mm, you know? That's how you can start to kind of gain that knowledge. And I, I'm really glad that you brought up kind of like gardening and uh, and sort of learning those essential skills um, because I think that that is uh, obvious. That's got to be a huge piece of like, you know, community health is understanding and getting more of that knowledge. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, just kind of your, your thoughts on um, the ways that we can sort of grow these sort of community garden efforts, like especially the Ogwai Garden, uh, you said the Rose Park gar- uh, Garden, they have the community garden. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how um, how people can sort of navigate maybe starting their own community garden and, and maybe what it might take in order for us to sort of start building these kind of solutions because it's clearly like super important and super it valuable. Is. It is. Um, the great things about um, these gardens is it's a resource for those who live in apartments that mm-hmm. don't have um, green space to grow things and an opportunity to to learn. If you don't 
<clears throat> excuse me, if you don't have um, that education or that mm -hmm. background and you have the desires to learn, right? And so if that's something you're wanting to do, um, going back and finding out within your own uh, city councils and seeing if there's space, mm. um, your local city, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's vacant lots out there and you can look into that. And it's um, <clears throat> it's an awesome time to be able to bond with the community um, mm. or just even on your own. It's very peaceful. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the thing about the Agway Garden it does bring peace um, and healing for a lot of community members mm -hmm. that are grieving um, the loss of Margarita. And so um, when I think of all of this and when you talk about community health work, I used to tell her, she'd call me and say, this is when I wasn't as heavily involved, but she would call me and say, hey, um, I need help. Is there a way that you can help me some more with you know, the community with being more civically engaged. And I, my response to her was, you know, I'm so busy. Um, my kids were young back then. And mm -hmm. I said, my, my contribution to being civically engaged is trying to just raise decent human beings. Right. <laughs> and that was my, and I know there's a lot of folks out there who are just like, I'm busy. Mm -hmm. I, you know what I mean? They're in a place in their life where they feel like they can't give back. Mm -hmm. But there's so much work out there. I mean, even if you don't have children, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's the local dog park or if you're not into pets, there's so many opportunities out there to just get involved. Mm -hmm. I mean, it helps. Um, we're all sharing this beautiful world, this mm -hmm. place, you know, and the more community members that we can have to help out the work, the healthier the community becomes. Mm. And that's where tax dollars are going. If we right. can just get everybody healthy, right? <laughs> Our tax dollars can go to other things. Right. But yeah. And maybe spend less on having to have the reactive health care and things like that because we're kind of uh, planting those seeds, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and, and kind of ensuring those uh, those healthy um, habits and patterns and things yeah. like that. Um, and th thank you for sharing that. And uh, I, I have a, a couple, I have one quick question before I kind of want to dive deeper into uh you know, Margarita Satini, uh, your sister, who the Ogwai People's Garden is like dedicated to. There's a beautiful mural um, of her there. Um, I'd love to talk more about her, kind of like what you see her legacy as. Um, but a quick question before that is that, you know, you said when starting community gardens, it's mostly about, uh, you know, reaching out to kind of like your local officials and seeing like what kind of spaces are available. Have you found that um, the local officials are actually pretty open to community gardens and are actually pretty um, open to kind of starting those ideas, um, my my biases would tell me that they don't seem to be very interested or seem to really care about those things at all. I'm curious to hear your thoughts there. Yeah, so it's interesting that you mentioned that um, right now Agoy Garden is going through some um, interesting events with public mm -hmm. lands, and that's interesting, right? It's called public lands. Mm -hmm. You would think it's open to the public, yeah. but there's guidelines that come with that. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, with the Agway Garden, when it first rolled out, uh, apparently things weren't um, put into places mm -hmm. you know, that where it should have been. Yeah, and so now it's creating all of this back and forth discussion. There was a letter from Public Lands that was um, sent to Agway Gardens, just saying, "Hey, you got to remove this and that," and it created a big uproar. And so. Right now, we're advocating to keep the Ogway Garden there as well as the mural. Mm -hmm. um, 
it is hard to to hear that to hear um, public lands coming back and saying, "Hey, you need to remove all of this," right? Mm-hmm. Like, who would think a garden, yeah, right, would create <laughs> issues, right? And so, um, with that, you know, the territory that comes with there's neighbors, you know, residents, folks, opinions mm-hmm. around that um, that disagree with it. And so um, thank you to you and all the folks that helped out with the surveys and hearing the voice of the people. Um, I did hear some great responses that it looks like the the garden's going to be staying and um, hoping that these leaders that we have, right, that Mm -hmm. they continue to serve their um, community members, citizens, and they know that that connection is real and that Mm -hmm. the it, that the people do want it there. Mm-hmm. And if they, as leaders, right, mm-hmm. um, continue to serve us, that they'll be able to have that understanding and keeping it there. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, that is promising to hear that even though all the I's and T's weren't quite uh, crossed, right, or dotted, um, that we're still able to to keep the garden to, to, to maintain that space. Um, so it sounds like as long as we can kind of, um, you know, out, get those guidelines together, that city officials will be... Somewhat open, right? I'm yeah, hoping. yeah. I mean the 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 information that keeps coming back, the feedback, is that the homeless issues, mm-hmm. but um, the homeless there was there before the garden. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's a, a big factor of the why that the the garden should be taken down. But it's doing more good than anything, mm-hmm. and it's bringing people together. And um, that's one thing that I love about it. And you actually have to walk to it. So Mm -hmm. you have to be physically active. I mean, it brings a lot of great things. And so for folks to want to just say for whatever selfish reasons and gains for them that we should tear this beautiful Mm -hmm. thing down. Yeah. And I think when when I was uh, out there um, collecting surveys with my friend um, and we kind of had some people mentioning the, the homeless problem and everything, it was really hard to kind of not just because we really weren't supposed to like share our opinions on the garden. We were really just like, oh, we want to collect your opinion. Um, but it was really hard not to just be like, like, why aren't we caring about these homeless people? Why aren't we caring about yeah. like what kind of resources and services we can, you know, get to them? And like also understanding that like, because um, you're right, they they were there before the garden. I hear they're not even really going to the garden mm-hmm. or anything like that. But um, at the very least, the garden could be of service to them. And I think that that would be a net positive overall. And I, I wish more people would see that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that is a really promising story. And, and I'm happy that uh, so far it's looking good. I guess we won't speak too early or anything, right? I know. But, <laughs> but at least it's looking good so far. Um, and speaking of the garden, I'd love to move over to talking about um, your sister, Margarita, and kind of just getting an understanding of her role in, in the garden and um, and what you see as her legacy. Um, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so <clears throat> Margarita came from a background of um, information technology. She um, was an independent contractor for years, so she wasn't really heavily involved in community work. Mm-hmm. And so... Me and her were talking over the phone and had this conversation of like, you know, what, uh, um, what is your purpose here? Like, what is it that you enjoy about life? And I was already on that journey where I was like, this is what I want to do, mm-hmm. you know, and this, you know, and as she was reflecting upon her life, she said, you know what, I don't feel, and her job pays her well, right? Mm-hmm. 
And she she made that jump and decided to jump into community work. Um, <clears throat> at the time of her passing, she was working for um, an organization called Sierra Club, mm-hmm. and they do a lot of um, environment um, supporting the environment to be clean and things like that. And um, she was working with them, and then ended up um, as one of the founders for UPSEC, which is called the Utah which stands for the Utah Pacific Islander Civic Engagement Coalition. Mm-hmm. So we get a lot of AAPI, um, Asian American Pacific Islander Month, which is right now happening May. Oh, nice. And so, um, but the one of the issues that um, we continue to go through as Pacific Islanders is that we are the only group that is lumped with Asians, mm-hmm. meaning African-American have their own group, right? You have the natives that have their own group, Latin community, mm-hmm. but Pacific Islanders are grouped um, with Asians. And so our issues are different, mm-hmm. very different, right? Um, as well as cultures. I mean, I love my Asian brothers and sisters out there, mm-hmm. you know, no animosity towards that. But because of our issues as um, causes this divide, then we're talking about funding streams, right? And as it trickles down, and when we have these high issues, right, we are Pacific Islanders, unfortunately, are high in diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol. Um, They're not as civically engaged. They don't understand a lot of, and I'm not speaking for all Pacific Islanders. I understand that there are Pacific Islanders that are well-versed in um, how the system works, but not many, right? Um, We still have issues with, them registering to vote, the importance of that, right? And that was Margarita's passion. Um, Her alone um, registered over, I believe it was 700 Pacific Islanders just to register. It may seem little, um, but we only have um, here within uh, Utah about 60,000. So U.S. Census said 59,000 and, you know, extra numbers. I don't have it memorized. Um, but with that, uh, the reason why I bring that up is she helped out with the U.S. census, um, and that's where her passion really was, is um, advocating for our Pacific Islanders, the underserved, the underprivileged. Um, she worked herself into spaces that um, other Pacific Islanders weren't able to get into. And so... Um, she connected well with other communities, um, the Black Lives Matters movement. She helped out with that. You know, she stood in front of crowds, you know, and empowering them that, hey, your voices can be heard. And this is how you do it. Um, and the mural is a reflection of that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that they're still going through this fight with the Agoy Garden and her her murals there. And sometimes I think, you know, my, my husband, um, which is her brother, um, said, he said, well, that's why I want to move, you know, and it makes sense him as a brother being overprotective where he's requested that maybe we move it to a different location that doesn't cause a lot of this chaos, but Margarita's personality, she had that fight 24 yeah. seven, <laughs> you know? And I think, I mean, you can find her online. You'll see her doing all kinds of work. But yeah, her legacy continues on through um, also through UPSEC. UPSEC is mm-hmm. still um, going strong and they continue to um, 
to work within the Pacific Islander community. Sorry, let me go back to AAPI. Yeah, yeah, go for it. I'm like, why did we drift off me? That is. <laughs> so the reason why I brought up AAPI. So when you look at that, um, the name of the organi organization, UPSEC, mm -hmm. it doesn't have that Asian in there. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with UPIC, right? Um, Jake Fiti Simanu, as well as other founders. We also have the Hawaiian um, Civic Club, Charlene Fahina with um, National Tongan American Society, Joyce with the Queen Center. Mm -hmm. A lot of strong um, community members within the Pacific Islander community do a lot of good work. Mm -hmm. And so these founders were the ones who founded um, together and said, let's just put this health coalition together. And then UPSEC was a, a sister organization. And that's where Margarita and others were able to continue to do the work. Um, the thing, the struggle with community work is you have people who come on strong mm -hmm. and then they'll kind of fall off the uh, wagon. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, one thing with Margarita, with her, with Yupasek, she stuck with it. Mm. And she was one of the, the remaining that still stuck with it, mm -hmm. whether other community members were on board or not. Mm -hmm. And so um, because of her resilience, right, um, she was, like I said, was able to get in these different spaces. That's amazing. Yeah. It's honestly really, it's really cool to hear that, you know, she started off in this, um, you know, in the IT sector and uh, was making good money. But I was kind of having this sort of like existential like question of like, what are we doing here? Like, yeah. what, what what's the point of all of this? And um, it's really inspiring to hear that, you know, that she just went full centered to community work. Um, was a huge advocate for all of these different populations to make sure that people were getting justice, were being able to be civically involved. And, and you know, I, that, that 700 number is extremely important just because yeah. that's 700 connections, that's 700 yeah. lives that she has, like, affected. And that's the, the, the minimum, right? That's right. the minimum number of lives that she affected. Right. And uh, it's just really important to see, to hear that. Because um, I think, I think, uh, COVID was kind of a big turning point for a lot of people's individual yeah. lives as well. Like um, they just sort of saw this halt in the system and everybody go like, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Are we really like supposed to just focus on trying to get back to work? Like, is that yeah. really what we should care about kind of thing? Um, and so it's just really, it's really cool to hear that story. And um, however, it, it is interesting that you mentioned that a lot of people who um, will uh, get this kind of gusto for community work and then, have it just fizzle out. Um, I'm curious to hear why you think that happens and um, and maybe what what could happen in order to um, sort of to keep people galvanized or prevent burnout. Yeah. Um, love how you asked that question because um, what we've learned from this pandemic, and I've mentioned that to Salt Lake County Health Department, Utah State Health Department, is that we need not to wait to be reactive, right? Mm -hmm. Being proactive. We learned that from this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And if we um, see the importance of that and not just waiting for something to happen and all of it's connected to funding, mm -hmm. right? Unfortunately, yeah. right? Um, that's what's controlling the systems. And um, that's one of the barriers is you have legislation change and then funding changes, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so then folks will either lose jobs or um, you have community-based organizations fizzle out. So <clears throat> that's the hard part. Sustainability, mm. you know, trying to um, have these organizations continue to keep them running. 
Um, even and that's one of the biggest feedbacks that I had to bring back to the health department was um, the funding cliff with COVID nineteen mm-hmm. um, for organizations. And so we unfor- we fortunately were extended another year as the health coalition to continue to advocate. Um, as far as what legislation is going to do up top with it, um, it sounds like they're still working through it. But I hope, you know, that we are able to still keep community health workers around. We've, um, like I, I mentioned to you, <clears throat> sorry, last week um, I was out in D.C. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest thing that we mentioned to to the leaders there is community health work. And what was interesting is some of them, well, I they were somewhat disconnected. Mm. Um, they talked about this 200-page document about health and how we need to do A, B, C, D. But then when we brought up community health work, she workers, she kind of, um, one of the leaders stepped back and realized how disconnected she really was. Mm. So it was good that we were able to be out there and uh, mention to these leaders that are getting paid, right, to, mm-hmm. to be able to, advocate those dollars to the right um, pots Mm -hmm. and hopefully um, as they advocate that we'll be able to keep the sustainability of community health work and Mm. um, hopefully the pandemic they realized that they cannot just you know rely on these hospitals I mean Mm -hmm. they were overworked right yeah you talked about burnout Um, one of the things that um, within our health coalition that we've rolled out with is um, these mental health retreats. We try to keep it culturally inclusive. Mm. <clears throat> and so um, we do these quarterly um, retreats to take care of our community health workers, you know, shout out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they do all the work. Yeah. They really do. They're on the ground. Um, they set their families aside. I know that it's a job, but it's mm-hmm. more than that, mm-hmm. especially within the Pacific Islander community is because we are such a small community. Mm-hmm. People know you. And if they don't know you, they know once they hear a last name, I mean, we're that small, yeah. right? We can hear a last name and we can still figure out, okay, where is that family yeah. from? <laughs> or how are they connected? Or how long have they been in the U.S.? So <laughs> we're that cool. small still. Yeah. I mean, I love it because it's still we're still grassroots. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, how do we use that to our advantage? And so mm-hmm. um, as we continue to offer community health work, and when they see my face and they see the community health worker's face, they know, okay, that person can help me mm. navigate. How do I, how can I get Medicaid mm-hmm. or who can I talk to, to be able to get that help, that financial help to be able to pay my rent or mortgage, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of a thing. It's so important. It's I, thank you for sharing that. That's freaking awesome. And it's especially heartening to hear that you're kind of just opening eyes, even as far away as DC, you know, to kind of the needs that you have here and, uh, especially opening eyes to the need for specifically like people that are willing to do the work and able to do the work. Um, It is like, uh, I think that's something that I'm kind of slowly understanding is just the sustainability of this kind of work because it has been very reactive, like you're saying. It's very much like we let a problem fester to the point that we're like, okay, now we should do something about it. It's really bad. Or even COVID, right? You have entire systemic collapse, essentially. Um, And it's it's unfortunate to me that these, uh, you know, these leaders, these... Um, you know, organizations or some or whatever are not. Um, we're not seeing the value enough to say like, let's just keep them going. Right. Let's keep them going, um, because the more that we do that, the more healthy the community and the state, the country as a whole right. will eventually become. Right. Right. Um. So thank you for sharing that. 
What are uh, some of the ways that people can really, um, really kind of start getting involved and, and um, understanding how they can help uh, even your organization specifically? Um, I think we want to we want to try to galvanize as many people as possible, right? Right. Um, having allies are important always, mm. right? Um, <clears throat> with uh, within our Pacific Islander community, and then also even on the west side mm-hmm. of Salt Lake, we have a bunch of um, issues that are constantly. Um, if it's not homelessness, it's violence. I mean, mm. there's we the list continues, right? Um, and I think just. Maybe just asking. Hmm. Sometimes I I could go back to you know sh- you know helping out at the local schools or um, different or seeing who the mm-hmm. local organizations seeing what they need help with mm-hmm. or just your neighbor. Mm-hmm. What happens to just actually knowing your neighbor? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, even for me myself um, and working with the communities that I serve. I know that I know my neighbors. That's the mm. thing is important. And I don't know if that's just because um, also being married to my husband, who's very involved, you yeah. know, he naturally has that um, community personality. Whereas in me, I feel like I grew up. So a little bit of background, um, the San Francisco area, right? Very diverse. Moved to South Jordan back in 92. So back then it was like all country. Mm-hmm. I still remember opening the door and it still smelled like cattle. Uh-huh. And so I was just like, wow, where, where am I? And so um, communities of color there, we, there was probably like five or 10 of us in high school and we all clung to each other. Right. But we were able to, I'm still good friends with a lot of uh, my uh, high school classmates, even though people are like high school is such a yeah. you know weird era, right. For your, in our lives. But I was able to still gain a lot of long-term friends nice. um, out there and they can be allies, you mm-hmm. know, um, those friendships can go a long ways. Just getting to know your neighbors. Mm-hmm. That's important. I mean, human trafficking is real. Yeah. I mean, even that having, knowing your neighbor can, even help out with human trafficking. Right. It, there's so many different ways that it's, it's just kind of creating that, um, that solidarity and sort of like a resilience. It's something yeah. as simple as just like knowing your neighbor's name and knowing that like you can trust each other when, if times get rough. Yeah. Right. Um, I know that's, uh, that's definitely something I've been really interested in lately is like just understanding like why, why are people so afraid of their neighbors here? Um, you know, I've, I've talked to like family and friends and I'm, you know, I'm always like, yeah, we should be getting to know our neighbors. You know, like I, uh, I talked to my neighbors, um, like it, it was funny. Cause like when I first moved into the place, just me smiling and waving at them was like, I think uncomfortable for them at first. Like they were just like, why, why is he looking at me? Why is he talking to right. me? Like we're supposed to just not naturally, like yeah. what happened to smiling at somebody without thinking that there's some agenda or I don't know. Like, what's wrong with you? Why are you smiling at me? Yeah, it's weird. But it was cool to see, like, over time, they kind of were just like, oh, that's how he is. Yeah. But then we started to get more comfortable with, like, talking to each other. Like, we could text each other about whatever needed to happen. Like, hey, sorry, I got to shut off the water. You know, whatever. Yeah. Just knowing that, hey, we can be there for each other. Um, But I don't know why why that's so hard for people these days. And yeah. I, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's something that was even exacerbated more by COVID. Because in it, yeah. it's like there's a lot of good and did, bad, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. Sort it did of. cause some isolation for a lot mm-hmm. of folks. And we see it with um, within the mental health field. Oh, I bet. Demand for social workers mm-hmm. is real. Yeah, it is. There, it, there's a, a short amount of those. And so, um, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I appreciate them. They're all burned out. Yeah, for real. And so they, sure. need, they need yeah. more resources and everything too. Yeah. And there's nothing with smiling. What if that person is a social worker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're having a bad day. Yeah. Say hi. There's nothing. It's free. It Give doesn't cost any money. Right. Give them some love and kindness. Right. There's really nothing wrong with saying hi. <laughs> I don't know what happened to humanity, but, you know, yeah. here we are. Yeah. I think there was the, with the isolation with COVID, there was also a lot of fear of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's starting to mend. I, in my opinion, as people are realizing kind of what we were talking about yeah. earlier, where it's like, oh yeah, we need that social interaction. We need each other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that fear of everyone was, was pretty real. And Ugh. so I wonder if that kind of continued driving a divide that was um, starting to get there anyways. Yeah. The shaming. Yeah. The shaming. Was real. Yeah. yeah. It was, especially within the Pacific Islander community. Oh, really? But we had some brave folks come on board and they were using their social media to say, okay, I have COVID. Mm. You know, don't come to my house. Yeah. You know, that's okay. That's okay. But then you have folks who had COVID and didn't want to share it. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it caused other issues. Um, Example, my sister-in-law, Margarita. Mm. That's what she passed from, COVID. Really? Yeah. And so she she was doing a lot of this work, community work. And unfortunately, um, it was brought to her home and she had some heart com- complications and took her. Um, and so we continue to miss her, but um, honoring her work with doing things like this. <laughs> Rest in peace. Rest in peace. And I think that really speaks to the, the need for more of that that solidarity and that honesty in, in community and a, uh, an awareness of community health, right? Um, I think if uh, if we could have had more awareness of that and, and been able to have that openness and honesty, then, yeah. um, man, maybe how, how different things could have been, right? Yeah. And how many more lives that we could have avoided. Yeah, losing. Yeah, losing. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of the episode here. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I'd love to, uh, one thing I like to ask a lot of my guests is, um, just kind of what they see as a vision for humanity. And that might be a big question, but really what I'm asking is like, what are some of the principles and values do you think that people can get behind to change the world in a positive way? I'll give you some time if you need it. (laughs) Processing that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, the first, um, thing that came to my mind was, just something simple as just smiling. Smiling. Saying hi. Right. How are you? And actually meaning it. Yeah. And that's the hard part, right? Mm-hmm. We say how are you as like habitual. Yeah. Um, but having but really being ready for that answer. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. if you say how are you? You're gonna get a real answer yeah. back. <laughs> you might just get that person who wants to shoot an hour with you yeah. and you're like, Oh, I wasn't expecting that. But, you know, being okay with that person if they do need that hour and saying, Mm -hmm. hey, you know what? I'm in the middle of like whatever it may be, Um, but give me your number. Let's talk. Let's go to lunch. You know what I mean? There's nothing Uh wrong with that. Um, I think coming from a a good place, um, good intentions, you know, can bring uh, more unity into our communities. Mm. Um, Humanity is real. Just being decent. I mean... You know, road rage is real here in Utah, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, my husband has this joke where he says, yeah, let's see the road rage, road rage after general conference. I'm like, 
this guy. I'm not poking at the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm just saying, just you know what I mean? Yes. You know, like instead of wanting to use that finger, wave. <laughs> wave. Smile even, right? <laughs> right. So, when, you know, no matter what religion you are, I mean, we have a big population of Muslims and they're super friendly people. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't matter what religion, you know, background that you come from, saying hi, smiling, how are you? How mm-hmm. can I help? Versus yeah. we get a lot of um, criticism, slack. We give a lot of that, um, mm. you know, to leaders and things like that. And, and if we can just, instead of... Um, pointing the fingers, ask, ask mm-hmm. how you can help. Yeah. Kind of opening that dialogue and offering yeah. that service. Cause I think that'll help with, um, placing that judgment. Mm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Definitely. Pointing that finger. Mm-hmm. Like, what can I do to help you versus I don't like your podcast. Even yeah. though I love your podcast, <laughs> even though I haven't heard it, but I'm loving this vibe, this yeah. energy. So awesome. good. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I, I appreciate that answer. Cause uh, I think we do take these, those small, um, those small gestures for granted, or we just like think that they're not really going to do much yeah. at all. But um, it's insane how much we need them. We need we need that small, those small bits of kindness and those uh, just those little connections to to kind of help make sure that we are building that resilience for you know any uh, any more storms that that will come eventually, right? Yeah. So, well, uh, Alicia, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate your insights. Um, and your experience. And uh, I'd love to talk to you more eventually and uh, see how people can get more involved. In fact, uh, are there any places that people, like any websites that people should visit, uh, any, um, maybe any organizations that are in need of help right now, um, anything that uh, people can do? Yeah. So we have a 5K this Saturday that is happening. Um, UPASEC, um, OCA, I think I'll, I'll probably shoot you a flyer. Okay. Yeah. And I'll, I'll share I don't know when so this podcast is going to be. Yeah, it probably it's, won't release for a while. <laughs> okay, my bad. But um, we do, I think people will enjoy our Friendly Island Festival, which is okay. going to be hosted in August. We'll definitely have it okay. out before then. Second week of yeah. August. Jordan Park, they have a parade, lots of good food, lots of entertainment, free, come out. I mean, nice. it's one of the bigger events. Yeah. I don't know if you ever watch um, American Idol. I have before, but not not like yeah. So the guy that went won it this year, he's talking Samoan. Oh, cool! Um, American Idol winner, congratulations, Ian Tongi, and he actually performed last year. This is before he made it this big, uh-huh. but um, hopefully he comes back and joins us at the Friendly Island Festival. Perfect! So, yeah. Awesome. We'll show up. Get to know the get to know the yeah. Pacific Islander community, and yeah. it'll be uh, fun. Build those connections. Yeah. Awesome. And and I don't want the other people think I'm hating on their community. The Samoan Flag Day is happening in July. Okay. Perfect. Okay. And if I didn't shout you out, sorry, come and talk to me. Please. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll build those connections. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. Thanks, Lisa. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. And that is a wrap on episode three of the Kindness Rebellion. Thank you so much for listening to this episode or watching it. Uh, it's really great to have you and be a part of this conversation and make sure to be a part of this conversation. You know, comment, like, share, subscribe. You know, let's make this a dialogue. Let us know what you learned. Um, and make sure to check out the Friendly Island Festival the second week of August. Uh, it's at Jordan Park. It's completely free. Get some good food. Uh, support the Pacific Islander community here in Utah. Um, thank you so much again for listening to this episode. Thank you, Lisa.
Alicia for your time um, and your experience and giving us this insight into community health and what it means to be a part of community health and how we can make a difference. Thank you so much.